Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. You guys, I always tell you every week that you're in for a treat, but this week is really special. I'm fangirling a little bit over Amy Porterfield. For those of you who know her, you're probably wondering how the heck I got her. I'm not sure myself. And for those of you who don't, you're really in for so many lessons, so many takeaways, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you'll be meeting her for the first time here. Amy Porterfield, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And there's so much to unpack. So let's just first start with a little bit of what you do. What is this online marketing empire that you've built? I always say I'm an ex-corporate girl turned accidental entrepreneur. So about 14 years ago, I left my very last nine to five job. I work for peak performance coach, Tony Robbins, and I was the director of content development. So what that meant is I had golden handcuffs. I had a really great job. I got to travel the world with Tony and his team, work on the content that he does on stage. If you know Tony, you know, unleash the power within and date with destiny. And these were events that I got to work on. And it was amazing except for the fact that I was introduced to this concept of freedom while I was working for Tony. And this idea of working when you want, where you want, how you want, because he talked a lot about entrepreneurship. And so when I started to meet more entrepreneurs in his world, I realized I want that. 
I want more freedom. I want to experience this. And so from there, I worked out a plan. In about six months, once I started working out this plan, I left that job and I started my own online business. And it was very, very rocky in the beginning. I had no idea what I was doing. But fast forward 14 years and I've generated over $80 million in revenue. I've served over 50,000 students, helping them quit their job, become entrepreneurs, build digital courses. And that's really what I'm known for how to build a business online, specifically how to build an email list and how to take your knowledge and know-how and turn that into a profitable digital course. So those are my areas of specialty. I actually know you from probably Instagram initially and then started paying attention and did a couple of free online introductions to courses. And then I finally bit the bullet four years ago now to your Digital Course Academy. And I just want to say... It was the most robust program I had ever done. I couldn't believe the amount of content that you had poured and packed into that process for us. Music to my ears. (laughs) And the way that you were able to kind of give it to us in bite-sized pieces. How long did it take you to build that program to perfect that? I'm sure you didn't start with something that was that meaty. Absolutely not. So when I think about the journey that I've taken in my business, the first time I launched a digital course, I thought I'd make $100,000. I looked around online. I watched everyone else on social. It looked like everyone else was make a million. So I thought I could at least make $100,000. I come from Tony Robbins, a background in marketing with Harley Davidson. Like I had a good, good resume and good experience. And so I launched this first digital course and I make a whopping $267. <laughs> and I was devastated. I cried for a week. If you talk to my husband, he was the one who had to say, you need to get out of bed. You need to get back out there because I made it mean I'm not cut out to do this. I'm, I'm going to have to grovel back or beg for my job. And so it was really, really rough in the beginning. But I knew, I always was clear on my why. I wanted freedom. I didn't want a boss. I can't go back to a job. So then I tried it again and again and again. And over the years, I got really good at taking my knowledge and know-how, packaging it up, teaching it in a digital course, and selling it online. And then what happened was people started to say, and this is how you start to pay attention to maybe what you could teach, what you could do online. People started to say, how are you doing this? How are you creating these multiple six-figure million-dollar courses? How are you selling them? How do you do webinars like that? So I thought, I'm going to create a course. So I created a course just about webinars because that was really what people were asking me. How do you do webinars to sell things online? So I created this course called Webinars That Convert. And then what happened, people would say, I love your course, but I have nothing to sell. So then I thought, oh, great. I'll create this other course called Courses That Convert. So they were two different courses. The problem is people would take Courses That Convert and they'd say, great, but I don't know how to sell it. Now that I have a course, I don't know how to sell it. Or now that I have a webinar, what do I sell? So I realized I'm doing a huge disservice for my audience. So fast forward to 2018 and I decided to strip those two courses down, build them back up into one course where I created Digital Course Academy, which helps people create a course from scratch, even if you're starting from the very beginning, and then how to market online and how to sell that course over and over and over again so you could have recurring revenue. In 2019 is when that course really became one, became my signature course, my bread and butter, and the course that changes the most lives 
lives within my world. But I tell you all that to say it took a long time to get there. I started in 2009. So by 2019, did it finally really come together? I had had success before that, but this was that one thing that kind of gelled it all and put me on the map for when you wanna create a course, my name's gonna usually come up in that conversation. That took a long time to get there. So I just say that to say, no overnight success for sure. These things take time, but there was success along the way to keep me going. And I assume that those successes, those those little things that you experienced or even the big things that you experienced informed where you are today. You sort of were like, okay, how do I take what's been good for the audience that I'm serving and what hasn't served them well? Exactly. One of the things I learned from Tony Robbins is he has this saying, success leaves clues. And so every time I did something small, like I made $10,000 the next time I launched a digital course, then I figured out, okay, how did I make that $10,000? What could I do even better? The next time I launched it, I made $30,000. And when I made $30,000 in a launch, I remember thinking I am the richest woman in the world. <laughs> this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. And I, I couldn't even imagine it ever getting better. I was good to go. And so it's just those things that kind of build on each other. And I had a lot of setbacks. In my book, Two Weeks Notice, I talk a lot about the mistakes I've made. But you're right. Each of those were building blocks to get me to the multi-million dollar business I have today. And again, just to go back, was the very first course that you sold about courses or about webinars, or were you creating a course about something else? It was not. So in in the first year that I went out on my own is when I created that first course, and I think I launched it in the second year, and it was how to launch a book using social media. Now, the reason I tell you this is I had no business creating that course. I had never launched a book in my life. I had worked with authors, but I had never launched a book. Ironically, I never launched a book until this year was the first time I ever launched a book online. But I knew social media really well and I kind of did the research. But here's the thing. I teach this concept of a 10% edge. A 10% edge is when you're trying to think of what could I teach? What could I do online? What could I sell? It doesn't need to be a digital course. There's so many different things you could do. Coaching, consulting, a membership site, some other type of digital course. But when you're thinking about the topic, you only need a 10% edge. You just need to be 10% ahead of those that you're going to serve so you can say, come this way, I'll show you the way. I know the way to success. I've either gotten it for myself or my clients or whoever. I've gotten results. I'll show you how I've gotten those, but you just need to be a few steps ahead of those you serve. That means you don't need more experience. You likely don't need more time. You don't need uh, more certifications. You have gotten results in your life and you can teach other people how you gotten those results. But for me, I had never gotten results about launching a book using social media. So part of the reason why I only made $267 is I had zero confidence when I was selling it. I'm sure I fumbled over my words. I I was like, uh, when I was trying to sell it, because it wasn't anywhere near my expertise. And so that was a huge lesson. But again, I couldn't teach the 10% edge today if I didn't personally experience back then. So it's all worth it. Have you gone back to listen to it now that you've put a book out? (laughs) I can't even listen to myself on podcast episodes, so I surely cannot listen to myself in that course. It would be hilarious. 
somebody's got to listen to it and see, like, did you give good advice for what you just experienced as somebody who launched a book? I feel like those maybe 10 people or however many bought probably need to get, (laughs) if they ever emailed me and said, I heard you talk about this course I bought, I want my money back. I'd give it to them and then some. So let's see if they ever surface. That's hilarious. First of all, let me just go back to that 10%. When I took your course, that piece of information right there blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I had been consulting small businesses for years. And I still didn't see myself as somebody who had an expertise that I could package and sell. Mm. Since then, things have shifted and we've shifted this platform. But it was such good advice that I ended up incorporating it as I was working with other people and saying, this 10% edge is a reframe on the 10,000 hours, which I think can stunt our growth a little bit. What you were offering up was really freedom as we approached the kind of work that we could give to people. And there was also something in your course where you talked about the things that are coming easy to you. You may not even know that they're an expertise. I think you recommended that we ask other people, which I thought was so wise. Yeah. Sometimes you're so close to it that you don't even see it, or it's so easy to you that you think everybody else knows how to do it as well. And that is not the truth. And so if you're really stuck and you don't know what you might create, what you could do online for a business, ask some of your friends and family, what do they think you're really good at? What do they think people would pay you to know? And so I, I think it's great to reach out when you're feeling a little too close to it that you're stuck. We're talking about Digital Course Academy, and there's other courses that you teach. And the statistics, you named some of them, but the statistics around the amount of people that you've taught, the amount of money that you've been able to make, the team that you've been able to employ, like those people are making money too. Like the impact of your work is so impressive. And you've been generous to share that that hasn't always been the case. And it took 13 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Did you ever imagine, go back to that $30,000 launch that you had and you thought, I've made it. Could you ever have imagined that you'd be where you are today? Never in my wildest dreams. A few years ago, I was still living in California where I was born and raised, and I live in Nashville now, but my husband and I had a house where the pool and the jacuzzi in the backyard looked toward the house. And we, one night, were in the jacuzzi, and it was raining, and it was kind of like romantic and fun, and we're looking at this big, beautiful home that we had bought. The house before that was a tiny little condo in Carlsbad. So we went from a tiny condo, saved money forever and ever, longer than I was comfortable with. I was mad that we were still in this condo and my business had started to be a success, but we needed to save. And then we went to this big house that was just beyond my wildest dreams. And I said to Hobie, my husband, can you believe this is our life? And he said, no, I didn't see this for us. We didn't dream big enough. And and I wish I was more of a dreamer. I wish I would allow myself to dream big and set audacious goals. I'm a realist to the point that it's probably to my detriment, but it's very true. None of this was part of my plan. All I wanted when I left my nine to five job was to replace the salary, and I was getting paid well, replace the salary that I made at my Tony Robbins job. And if I could do that without a boss, I could live a really great life. I just didn't realize that when you build a business online, you will be amazed what opportunities are waiting for you and how you can bust through the glass ceiling and then some. The ways I've been able to make money, the different streams of revenue still blow my mind. And I'm so, so grateful. It's why I teach it to other people. I'm on a mission that 
I know there's a woman in a, a cubicle right now or even a corner office with windows and she's sitting there thinking, this can't be it. There's gotta be a different way. I miss my kids. I miss my family. I miss my time to do what really brings me joy. I don't like this. No matter how good it is or how bad it is, it's okay to not like where you are right now. What's not okay is not to do something about it. So that's why I wrote two weeks notice. Let's get the guidebook going to teach you how to take the steps to leave that job and go after what you want. But yeah, yeah. to answer your question, that's long-winded to say, never in my wildest dreams. I'm glad to hear you say that. I think a lot of people that we look at who've had great success talk about, I always could envision it. I always oh, I'm so thought jealous. it. Was well, no, I'm glad you're saying it because I want our listener to know that there's more than one narrative to create that success. There's more than one way of approaching something that can ultimately create whatever that success is, whatever we deem successful. So to, to hear you say that is important. Matched with your work ethic, which you talk a lot about on your podcast, the way you create product, it's very tactical. Everything mm -hmm. that you give people is right here. It's not necessarily this big lofty thing. It amounts to that if they want it to, if they put the work behind it. But there's something about the way you approached your own work that you are able to teach in a way that's very one foot in front of the other. So don't be jealous. I think it's your secret, your secret you. sauce. I think it's your superpower. I want to talk about the book because I think, and, and let me first say, you're talking about a woman in a cubicle. You're talking about somebody who could leave that nine to five. I would add, because of this podcast, that we're also talking about women who've perhaps taken a break to raise children. We're yes. also talking about people who want to leave one dream for another. That dream has switched what they want from life, the impact they want to have, the people they want to serve. It's a little different. And so it's for people who are looking to make that transition. I know for me, that was important um, as I was reading the book to really think about what I was drilling down on and who I wanted to serve. So it's so much more than a person who's sitting in a, in a cubicle. It's so clear that you're passionate about this work. Why the book when you had a social media platform, you had a podcast, you have the courses that you're offering? Why was a book an important piece of this puzzle? You know, I've been thinking about writing a book for many, many years, and I never really knew what I would write about. And from a business perspective, I, I hear from so many of my peers, a book will put you on the map, a book can expand your audience, it could bring more people into your world and all of that. And from a marketing and business perspective, I love all of that, but I didn't wanna do it unless I really felt called to a message that I thought I could change lives with. So I didn't do it for many, many years. And then a couple of years ago, I thought, I know what it is. It's this idea of finding a way to leave behind what no longer serves you, what you know you no longer want, and moving toward what you do. That's essentially the theme of the book. And so I use, you know, leaving your nine to five job, starting an online business, but the bigger picture is just knowing you deserve to go after what you want. And so I decided I have a lot of newbies in my audience. I, I teach how to build a business online, but for some reason, I think it's my teaching style, newbies are attracted to me. I, I don't know what to do, Amy. I feel stuck. I'm just starting out. And also a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s are attracted to me. And so a lot of my audience are usually women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Knowing that, I thought I've got to help these women and men, I, I welcome all sure. men as well, to figure out how 
how to do this in a way that doesn't feel so scary or scattered or very overwhelming. So I wrote the book to create a runway. How do you leave a job in full integrity, feeling solid the day you leave with a plan for what comes next. So I put together this whole runway of how to leave this nine to five job, but the bulk of the book is how to build a business online. Because when I started to build a business online, I had no idea what I was doing. I remember like it was yesterday. I left my nine to five job. I pulled out of the San Diego Tony Robbins offices. I had this little white car filled to the brim with all my boxes in the back. I'd been there for a while. And I remember the Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun came on the radio. And I thought, this is a sign. This is going to be amazing. And so I get home and the next day I wake up, I sit at my little table in that little condo in Carlsbad outside of San Diego. And I start to type and think, what am I typing? Where is my boss? Who's telling me what to do? This is wild. Like what, what am I doing? And I didn't know about creating content. I didn't know about blogging or podcasting or videos. I didn't know about growing an email list. I didn't know how to create a website. I knew none of it. And so I thought, let's write the guidebook. So everybody that comes into my world, they have a foundational piece to get started. And that's essentially why I wrote it for those that really want to go after something new, but they have no clue how to get started. I love that it's a start and then you can really step into the Amy Porterfield world. Yeah. As you probably experienced from leaving Tony Robbins and that six month that you gave yourself, you you created yeah. that runway for yourself back then. It's giving us those those steps. In your book, you talk about this entrepreneurial thing. So did you know when you left Tony Robbins that you had that entrepreneurial personality? Because it's one thing to say like, this is what I want to do. It's another yeah. thing to be your own boss. I absolutely did not think I had the <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit. So here's here's the truth. I wouldn't even use that word. When I wrote the book, I was hesitant to say you're an entrepreneur because I know a lot of my newbie students, they're like, uh, maybe a business owner or future business owner, but yeah. entrepreneur, like that's Oprah or that's like, um, what's that guy's name that owns the basketball team and he's oh, on Shark Tank? yeah. Um, Mark Cuban. Mark yeah, like, Cuban, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. an entrepreneur, but me, like I didn't even equate to me. So I did not do that. I really genuinely, just like I mentioned earlier, I just wanted to be my own boss. I was so tired of being told what to do by other people. And I was also didn't want to build someone else's empire anymore. And so, and I actually don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. I think you can learn to become an entrepreneur. I don't think you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit. Like I wasn't the kid who constantly sold things online and, and figured out how to make money on the side. I mean, I did my chores and once in a while had a lemonade stand, but that was about it. So, I, and I wasn't raised by entrepreneurs either. So that's another thing. Um, but also I have a sister who is a second grade teacher, bless her heart. She's two years older than me and does not want my life, does not want to be an <laughs> entrepreneur, thinks I might be a little bit crazy, no matter how much money I have, she doesn't care. She does not want this. And I, when I see that, I realize not everybody mm -hmm. is meant to be an entrepreneur and it's okay if you don't want to be. But if you're listening to a podcast like this and you have something on your heart, like I could do something different and I'm getting older and I'm kind of tired about everyone else telling me what to do, you at least have to explore it. And I think you're right that a lot of people sort of shun away from that word. And yet we're stepping into this economy where freelancers, people who are realizing that 
what technology affords is a way to get that expertise out. And even when they're making money doing that, they don't consider themselves entrepreneurs. So the fact that you've removed that word, I think, invites more people into the conversation and more people into thinking about that as a possibility for themselves. There's a lot, I, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, for sure. I think the book became a permission slip to a lot of people to just explore what this might look like, even if they don't see themselves as an entrepreneur. And I really welcome that. That's a great way to frame that. I I would agree. From a reader's point of view, it does feel like a, a permission slip. You talk about freedom a lot. You've talked about it today, that that was what you were seeking. That's what you were looking for. What exactly do you mean? Because, and I ask this because as somebody who's been an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur, has consulted many, many entrepreneurs in the last 20 years, when we talk about freedom, there's a little bit of a bill of goods being sold because people think what that means is I can do whatever I want with my time. When in fact, you are actually putting a lot of that time into the business and you're creating more work for yourself. So what do you mean when you say freedom? Because I want our audience to hear the distinction. It doesn't mean you're not going to work. It doesn't mean that you can, in the middle of the day, go to the beach. It might, it might one day. But what is it that you mean when you say you were looking for that freedom and you're hoping to create that freedom for others? You know, the first thing I'll say that I've never said on a podcast before, and like you know, I've done a lot of podcast uh, interviews (laughs) in the last few months, but this is something I've never said in that Freedom, my desire for freedom has absolutely morphed and changed in different ways based on the seasons I've been in through entrepreneurship. And what I mean by that is in my first two years, I feel like that was a season of entrepreneurship. I was clueless, struggled, didn't know what I was doing, didn't make a lot of money, but I wanted freedom. That was always my why. And for me, it was working when I wanted, where I wanted, how I wanted. Now, In those first two years, I worked more hours than I did at my Tony Robbins job. And at my Tony Robbins job, I felt like I worked my life away. So that's saying a lot. But it was like, but this is worth it because it's mine. The freedom was, yeah, I'm working more hours, but I'm actually choosing to do so because I want this to work so bad. There was a little bit of desperation wanting it to work so bad, but a lot of hope as well, knowing that this will pay off. And so the first two years, that new season, uh, freedom, I knew it was coming, but I didn't necessarily feel it every day. I had to work really hard and really long hours to make it work. And then as it started going, I had that first $30,000 launch. I started to figure out how to make money online. Then I was able to, let's say, take the vacation when I wanted to take. Not asking someone permission to take time off, Mm -hmm. that was a big deal for me. I have a stepson, and he was really young at the time, knowing that I could stop working and go take him to football practice at 3.30. Maybe in that season, I'd have to come back and work at night, but I could leave, and there was nobody I had asked for permission. That was freedom at that time. Fast forward 14 years, I have a team of 20 full-time employees. We work a four-day work week, Monday through Thursday. I do not work 
any weekends, and I am absolutely only working when I want, where I want, and how I want. And so it's really fully developed, but it took time. But here's what I'll tell you, the one more thing about freedom. I believe that the worst day as an entrepreneur, and in my book, I talk about some really hard days. I thought I was going to lose my business for about a year because I got into a partnership I shouldn't have. And so even on my worst day as an entrepreneur, it still felt better than the best day being an employee to somebody else. And it's just because I knew even if it was hard, even if it was a lot of hours, even if it wasn't working out, I still did call the shots. And for me, that meant a lot. Someone else might wanna leave their nine to five job and start their own business for a totally different reason that doesn't necessarily have to do with freedom. I'm gonna celebrate that all day long. In my book, the very first thing we talk about is your why. Why do you want it? Why does it matter to you? Maybe you wanna be an example for your baby girl and you want her to see what you're capable of, let's say as a, as a woman and a mother and a wife and all of that. So the why is your own, but you gotta get clear on it and it's gotta hit you in the gut. I think the why is something that a lot of us think that we understand, but unless we spend time really examining it, if there's not 100% truth behind our why, it wanes. And very quickly, we find ourselves in a situation where what I'm doing is depleting me. When you are teaching, what's the thing that you've seen in women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, women in this middle stage of life? What's the thing that you've seen over and over that you've had to say to encourage them? And what is it that you have to say to them to help them overcome wherever they are, whatever they're dealing with. I find myself saying a lot, you are absolutely worthy of this success. And the reason for that is for some reason, a lot of the women I work with, they feel is that they almost don't deserve it or they're not capable of it. And It blows my mind because the women I work with have done amazing, amazing things in their lives, personally and professionally. But when you go out on your own, you become your own boss, you're building your own thing. It, because it's overwhelming and scary in the beginning, there can be so many fears that come in. But one of the fears that I hear the most is like, I'm not worthy or I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. And so I always say, just because you are here, you are enough. You are alive. You are enough. You deserve this. And I have to tell them, why not you? And what's the challenge here is that, and I feel it too. I'm in my mid forties now. I hate saying that, but I am. (laughs) And here's two things. One, I've been at this for a long time. I find videos of myself 14 years ago. I look so much younger. So aging on camera It takes a toll on me a little bit. It stings sometimes and I'm like, oh gosh, those wrinkles under my eyes, this is kind of a new thing over the last few years and they weren't there years ago. And that part makes me feel insecure sometimes. And then I see these young women and men coming up the ranks, doing digital marketing, teaching what I'm doing. And this is a very personal story, but I think people can relate. And I think, oh my gosh, am I gonna be irrelevant? Am I too old to be doing this? Are they just gonna take over? And then I stop myself and think, no, there are people out there that need to see themselves in me. There are women out there who in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who don't necessarily want to learn from a 21-year-old. 
And, and I can totally get behind that. That 21-year-old will get all the audience she needs. There's enough room for all of us. But I know that if I step on stage, I'm, I've always been self-conscious of my weight. I've always been self-conscious of how I look. But I know if I step on stage, there's women in the audience that need to see I'm doing it so you can do it too. I've been so many different weights over the last 14 years. They need to see that if I can do it feeling overweight, so can they. Like these are things that are important to me. We need to be an example for other women. So that I'm not enough or I don't deserve it or I'm not capable, we have those discussions in my community all all the time. I'm 55, so I'm in my mid-50s. And to hear you say that is exactly why we're here, because we need to change this narrative. We need more and more people to embrace, yes, there are going to be lines and wrinkles. Yes, there's going to be many of us in perimenopause or in menopause trying to deal with that and what that means from brain fog to weight in the middle to- Hot flashes in the middle of the night. That's yes. a new one for me. Yes. Like, well, what is this? Get on board, girl. Get on board. They're, they're, here, they're here to stay. They'll eventually, they'll wane. I mean- I I, I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm still in perimenopause. Like I should be over this, but I'm not. But what's so great about hearing you, somebody who's had the success that you've had, talk about your own insecurities around that and then realize that, again, that becomes the thing that draws people to you. And even you just being vulnerable about that, people are going to be drawn to you. But to step into this new season for us to reframe what this midlife season looks like yes. and to say to women, not only is it not over and you're not done, you actually have something to offer. The world is waiting for you to show up fully as who you are. And that is your duty. It is your obligation to the world to fully show up as who you are. And when you give us and you have given us a platform to do that, to understand that, to reflect back to the world what we've learned, what we have to offer. And you've shown us the, the how-to, the way to do that. You're exactly where you need to be. And I hope to see you doing this in your 50s and in your 60s because there's so many women that need your example and need your expertise to show us how to show up in that way. I love that you said that. And you just reminded me, one of my most favorite students I have, her name is Anne. And she, in her late 50s, she was laid off from her corporate job, from Gap and Old Navy. She was at the corporate level and no one would hire her. That's the thing that breaks my heart, that the older we get, we're not as desirable in the hiring market anymore. And that's another reason I wrote this book. I don't want that to happen to any woman. You just don't deserve it. So. And so I want you to make your own destiny. Anyway, Anne could not get a job. And she was really into arts and crafts. And she had this whole room full of them. And finally, her husband said, you know all those arts and crafts that you buy all the time? No one's hiring you. Go dabble in there. Go see what might come of that. Who knows? So she followed his lead and she started to do something called surface pattern design. And it's this idea of creating your own doodles and pictures and turning it into wallpaper and napkins and notebooks. And it's your design, but you actually can license it and make a lot of great money from it. So she started to do that and decided to teach it in a digital course. 
And so she has launched the same digital course year after year after year, multiple times. And she has done over six $100,000 launches in her 60s. And this is a woman who did not know how to use any of the technology that I teach on how to create a course. And she figured it all out. And I asked her, and what is your like motto for all of this? Like, what do you believe? And she said, it's never too late to create. And if you saw this woman, you would not be like, oh, she must be super tech savvy. She knows everything she's doing. She taught herself all of it. And she is like an inspiration. She started over in her 60s and making way more money than she ever made at corporate. I love stories like that. Wow. Okay. Give us three examples of some things that people have created as courses, because I want to have our listeners, I say this all the time, it's something that we're passionate about over here, but I want them to start considering their possibilities. I want them to hear you say X, Y, and Z and to start imagining like, oh, okay, not only do I not have to know the technology in advance, but I don't have to be this crazy expert. So give us some examples. Okay, so one of my favorite students is Nicole. Her husband always made all the money and she wanted to contribute. So she started to go to people's homes and build out kitchen gardens for them. So all the different little herbs and different things you'd use in your in your cooking. And so she would go to their houses and build out these gardens. And it started to really take off. And then she realized, I am one person. I do not have the time to go to all these houses. So she created a digital course on how to build your own kitchen garden. Everything you need to know. So she is now a huge contributor to her household. Her name is on the the deed of their house. She helped pay for it. Like she's very much involved. And her son, it was really cute. Uh, They were talking about entrepreneurs. And she said to her son, do you know any entrepreneurs? She's kind of teaching them the concept. And he said, yeah, you. And she just, she's like, my heart melted. I didn't think he was going to say me, but it was really fun that that's how he identified his mother. So that was one. So she creates, she helps people through a digital course, create these kitchen gardens. The other one is a woman who really wanted a child and she wasn't married and didn't have a partner. And she said, enough is enough. I'm getting older. I don't want to miss my opportunity. And she adopted a little boy on her own. And it was such a whirlwind of an experience that she created a digital course helping other people navigate the adoption process. And now she has tons of successful adoptions underneath her belt through this digital course. She's made over a million dollars, really successful, and she's just so proud of what she's done as the single mom. Now remember, that's the 10% edge. Mm -hmm. She wasn't an adoption expert. She didn't go to college for this. She did it for herself, documented everything along the way, started to teach uh, through consulting, started to teach other people how to do it, and then created a digital course so it could be one to many. Because when you consult or you coach, you are only going to be able to make so much money. You have to be able to scale in order to reach those new levels. So those are two courses. And then my very favorite, because this is a new audience and most people will not know me, I'll tell a story I tell all the time and you've heard it before. And it is Danira who lives in LA, a single mom of three, and she supports her mother. And she teaches how to make caramel candy apples. In her first launch, she made $60,000 teaching other bakers and hobbyists how to make her beautiful, well-decorated caramel candy apples. The crazy thing about this story is her caramel that she teaches how to make, it's store-bought. 
It's just that you wouldn't know what store to go to and where to find it in the aisle and what to do to doctor it up to make it even better, but it's not even our own recipe. And that again is a 10% edge. So I've got hundreds and hundreds of topics I can tell you, but those are some of my favorites. Thank you for sharing those with us. What's going to be so great for our listeners is imagining themselves stepping away from even what their professional expertise was and finding the thing that they are most curious about, most excited about. I hate using the word passion because I think that puts a lot of pressure on people, but it's the thing that's sort of bringing them life. And they're like, I can build something around this. Or for those who perhaps weren't working outside of the home, they can look at where did I spend my hours? What expertise did I develop? I made a lot of sack lunches. Could I create something out of that? I put together a lot of events. I hosted a lot of X, Y, and Z. What can I create out of, out of those things? I managed the family's, you know, expenses and finances. Like how do I create something out of that? You get us outside of our own box and thinking about, oh, what what could that be? When people come to you through specifically Digital Course Academy, is that a 10-week course? Yes. Okay. So when they come and they commit to that 10-week process, you're really soup to nuts walking them through everything. So for those listening who think of themselves as Luddites and don't don't really enjoy technology, I just want to tell you from A to Z, you're going to get what you need, um, oh, whether you. it's through Amy telling us where to go and you actually provide resources too. You say, okay, yeah. here's, if you need an email platform, here's an email platform I suggest. So it's really all contained in there. Why was that important for you? Because a lot of people can give just the advice and they don't they don't burden themselves with that much information. I mean, if it were a book, it would be this thick. Why know, was that so right. important to you to give that breadth and depth of information? Because you don't know what you don't know. And nobody teaches this to us in school. And because I know I have a bit of an older student base, there's no way they're going to be familiar with a different technology or how to use it or how to get started with any of that. So I feel like I can't take people's money if I'm just going to assume, well, you could just figure it out. That maybe I could say, so you need to build a sales page and add these three elements to it. That would be so unfair to someone who spent money with me when they're like, wait, what software do I use? How do I get a sales page up? What am I putting on your sales page? So I go through it step by step by step because I do not assume people know this. We even have a glossary in that course, Digital Course Academy. These are all the words I'm going to use Mm -hmm. because there's no way that you've heard these if you haven't been in the online business building world. So I just think it's unfair to assume people should know this. Why? Where would they have ever learned it if they're brand new? In addition to giving them all that information, the depth of information. You also do a really good job of helping us to find our own little space on the internet. One piece that I remember, I was like, well, if I'm going to do a course, how much should I charge? And what is the expertise that I have? And you walk people through that. You walk them through the decisions that they're going to make along the way. You anticipate all of those things that they're going to question or wonder about, and you give options along the way. It's not sort of a 
cookie cutter approach. It's it's very dynamic. There's a lot of places within the course for people to make their own decisions as needed. And I would say the same is true for the book. The anecdotes that you give, the stories that you share that are both personal or about other people, they give us context, but they're not there there's nothing cemented in there for us. There's a lot of freedom as we're going through the book. You could just say you have to do it this way all along. Yeah. Why is it important to give people that sort of flexibility or that elasticity? I want to make sure that they know that I know it's not my way or the highway. And what I was concerned about is if I tell you, you have to do it this way, you have to use this software. And if for some reason it just doesn't resonate with you, because we're new at it, because it's overwhelming and a little stressful, you could easily throw your hands up and say, well, this doesn't work for me, so Amy's way doesn't work for me. And I wanted it to be a little bit flexible in the sense of let's do it your way. It's so crazy when I see people launch courses that come from my programs, sometimes I'll watch their webinars and think, mm, that's not exactly how I taught it, <laughs> but it works for them. And I had one woman that I teach you how to use slides and audio and all of this. She had zero slides. She just got on camera. She was like this, the whole webinar. And I would never teach that. I think that's really difficult. Worked for her. But she got enough from my course to know that I'm your guide. You're the hero of your story. I'm just your guide. I'm going to walk you through. You take what you want, leave what you don't want. And this is how I teach people how to create courses. That's another thing. My program is so meta, and I never even knew what that word meant until a little while ago, where like I'm teaching what I want you to actually do. I have a digital course where I'm teaching you how to create a digital course. So that's another thing. The reason why it's so good is that I have to be good because I literally know you're copying what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You're saying, okay, you're teaching this. Did you do this? I better do that. And so that's why there's a, another layer that's unique to this program because I'm teaching exactly what I'm doing. I want to say for people who are, because you just gave that example, if you're nervous about showing up in a video, you give us an alternative to where yes. we never have to even be on video. It can no. all be slides. Yep. And you might think, oh, that diminishes the quality of what I'm giving. It actually doesn't. No. I've seen people do a beautiful job with slides. And in some cases, depending on what you're teaching, it's even better because the the viewer, the course taker can see themselves in the work. They're not necessarily looking at a person and feeling like, oh, I have to follow in those footsteps. There's, so it gives them some freedom. I unpack this with the audience because again, I think a lot of people know who you are, but for those who don't, I want them to understand why I think this is such a great option and um, why it's something that I think that they should look to as they're considering what's next for them? Because I, I think you're providing really one of the most meaningful options out there, which is to go for it ourselves and to teach what we know. And at this stage of life, we know a lot. There's a lot that we have to offer. Okay, so let's true. go back to the book really quickly. When you started the book, I'm sure you were digesting all the things that you had lived and wanted to share. What was writing the book as a process like for you? Did it hit all the things you thought it would hit? Was it harder than you thought? Was it more of a joy than you thought it would be? Tell us about that process because I think a lot of our listeners are thinking about writing a book. People think there's a book inside of them. Yeah. So I'll start with the punchline and that is I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so glad I did it. 
I feel really proud of it, but I also love when I hear other people diving in, getting results, sharing those with me. So I wouldn't trade the experience for the world, but it was much harder than I thought. Mm -hmm. I'm not a natural writer, I'm a podcaster, so writing was agonizing to me. I also was running a full-fledged business throughout the whole thing, and a lot of people do this. They have nine to five jobs, they're running a business. I didn't have time to write this book, so that meant 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm writing for like an hour and a half before I have to get up and get things going with a family. And so it was really early mornings, every single morning. And then I realized, holy cow, I'm running out of time. So then I had to like clear many, many, many days to make this work. So that part, finding time to write the book was challenging. And then the fact that I'm a slow writer, also challenging, but also it was really fun to see it come to life and to see it finally take shape. And I had someone on my team kind of tag teaming with me so I didn't have to do it all alone and she would help me pull stories and write different chapters and we did it together at some point. So that was really exciting as well. And she's been with me forever and ever and used to work with me at Tony Robbins. So she was a great partner. Oh, wow. She knew my content so well. But ultimately, it was a hard experience. But I'll tell you this, what was even more difficult was the launching of the book. And I've launched online for 14 years. It's just a very vulnerable experience to ask for favors. So when you write a book, what I didn't know is I have to call people, can I be on your podcast? Can I come on that show? You know, we try to get me on morning shows and new shows and PR and lots of favors and asking. And for someone who enjoys their own freedom and calling the shots, I don't like asking for all those favors, but I knew it was so important to me. I kept thinking about what I talked about, that woman in that cubicle. She needed me. She needed this book. So I was willing to feel awkward and insecure for a good six months for the record to get it out in the world. And I'm so glad I did. I'll tell you really quickly when this book launched, it launched in February, and the week that it launched, um, it launched on a Tuesday, and my mother-in-law unexpectedly died on a Saturday. And it was the most craziest feeling to experience a huge high and a huge low. And my husband and I were very close to his mother, and she was healthy and great, and she got sick out of nowhere and died in 14 days, mm -hmm. every four days. It was just wild. But the reason I tell you this is that we were at her house, a few days after she had passed, when I found out I was a New York Times bestselling author. And I remember looking at my husband and the first thing he said is, I know, I know my mom was part of that. I know she was up in heaven saying like, tap, 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 think about Amy for, for New York Times because I wanted it really bad. And it was just such a beautiful experience, but I've never experienced such highs. I was so proud of what my team and I did and such lows. I was so sad that we lost her. But my husband thinks that I got New York Times because his mom was in heaven. I'll take it all day long. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing something so personal. Yeah. And um, I'm so sorry for your loss, oh, but what a you. gift to know that she had a hand, not in only making it a bestseller, but helping to cultivate who you are, the person that wrote this book. That whole experience changed me. Writing the book changed me. Going through that week of launching and losing her changed me. But all for the better. I do believe that I learned a lot of lessons writing the book. I learned lessons of putting myself out there. I was humbled in many ways when doors shut in my face of opportunities I thought I would get for the book. And also I just found out what I was made of. Like I pushed it hard because I wanted it bad. And so uh, it was a great experience. And anyone listening right now, if you've ever thought of writing a book, 
start writing, write that book, because it is a really beautiful experience when you see just one person hold up that book and say, I'm reading this book. It's the most amazing experience. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm grateful that you were able to get through it and and write it because I think it will inform so many future stories, books, courses, so many things will come as a result of what you've put out there. So thank you for that, Amy. I have to spend a little time or we need to spend a little time talking about the woman who's listening. We've talked about her a little bit. She's in her 40s, 50s, 60s. We've talked about you coming into this stage and how it feels for you and the discomfort of coming into that season. And one of the things that I hear often, and I think we hear kind of in society is this idea of it's too late. I miss the boat. For some people, I think those hopes and dreams are buried so deeply that they don't even recognize them anymore. For some, our hopes and dreams have changed, like life has evolved and we are becoming hopefully wiser and what we want out of life and who we want to serve is different. What do you want to say to that woman who thinks that it's too late, who thinks she's missed the boat? What do you want to equip her with? What I would say is, first of all, what my favorite student, Anne, would say, it's never too late to create, to create the life you want, to create the business you want, to be the person you want to be. It is never too late. And there there are so many stories in history of people that didn't come into their own till they were in their 40s and 50s and 60s. Look for those stories. Be inspired by those stories. But also... Just remember that you deserve to have the life that you want. And at this stage in life, you're wiser, you're more calm, you're more level-headed than you've probably ever been. Take advantage of that. You probably have more confidence. You probably care a little bit less what people think than when you were in your 20s and 30s. Take advantage of that and run with it. And remember what I said, other women or those you serve need to see themselves Mm -hmm. in you. And so you are depriving them of their permission slip, their opportunity when you won't show up as your true self doing something that brings you joy. You are giving a permission slip to other people that need to see that in you. Do not forget that. You have an important job, my friend. So let's stop standing on the sidelines. I love that. I mean, we could just end the podcast right now, but I won't because what I want to hear from you as we tie this up, and I just, first of all, thank you, Amy, so much for taking time to be on this show. Thank you for talking about your own story, the work that you've done, the way that you're equipping other people through your podcast through your Instagram and other social media, but I'm a big Instagram follower of you, through your courses, and now finally through this book. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I want to know how all those things have come together. You've stepped into this second third of life, as we call it around here. And what are the ways that you've been liberated professionally and personally? How has all of that work changed and liberated who Amy Porterfield is? I know that no matter what, I'm going to be okay. I think it's made me more resilient and more confident for sure. I've I've definitely had challenges with feeling confident, but knowing what I've been able to do, and in the book I talk about the fact that it almost got taken away from me, and I realized if it does get taken away, I could start over. I could do this again because I know the roadmap now. So resilience and confidence and just really stepping into what I never knew I was capable of, all of that is very liberating to me. 
Well, thank you. You've liberated us in this um, hour that we've spent together. I so appreciate it. We will have all of your handles and information so that people can access you, a link to the book. So Liberty listeners, check out the show notes for that. But just thank you for your time, Amy. We so appreciate having you. So appreciate you. Thanks again. Absolutely. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys for taking this time to hang out with Amy and to hang out with me. I know that this is going to be an episode that you'll go back to time and time again. And we will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.